0: I'm Paul Wiegraf, director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me is the founder of the House Lights program, Alex Johnson. Welcome, Alex. Thank you, Paul. Nice to be here. Had a great time chatting with you right before we went on the air. Um, Fascinated with your background, your experience, and what you're bringing to Delaware through Delaware Division of Libraries. Uh, Let's talk first about a little bit about your background, primarily in theater, as I understand it. but. what brought you to, uh, what kind of background do you have that uh, has led you to where you are today?
1: Oh, I mean, what an, in- what an interesting question. Like, what has led you to where you are today? <laughs> How that's much a, that's time a- do we have? I had a great Little League coach once. so Should <laughs> I include him? i talk about him, too. Um, so I come to this program to the summer um, here in Delaware uh, as the leader of this program, like you said, doing some artistic projects with the libraries. Um, my background really starts in theater uh, like you said that, that's that's my background i was a very shy kid um anyone who knows me now is often surprised to hear that but i was really shy when i was young and i had a a teacher um and this there was course teacher and she insisted that i be in the musical and i begged her i said please mrs mcdonald don't make me do this anything but this i'll do i'll do detention for weeks please she made me be in the musical and it changed my life um, you know like a lot of young people having that experience of doing some kind of artistic thing and getting the validation for it even if the piece that you do is not good the validation that happens when you're 12 when you're 13 when you're 15 when you're 17 is so critical to the way you develop and so critical to the way you see yourself in the world and so i was hooked i did one musical and had such a great time and met so many wonderful people and came out of my shell and realized you know i could i could talk i could sing i could engage with people And so it changed my life. Uh, From that point onward, I did theater pretty consistently. I mean, I was always in a show of some kind or another. I was always in rehearsal of some kind or another. Um, And so I I went to NYU, uh, to the Tisch School of the Arts, um, to get my BFA in drama. Uh, I was in the Experimental Theater Wing, which is a small studio within the larger program um, where we studied, you know, Theatrical innovation, right? What are the new ways and different ways that we can create a play? What what does a play need to look like? And, and how can we experiment around that? How can we test some of the boundaries of the form? Um, and so I was there for for four years. And while I was there, I was, um, you know, <laughs> uh, just a, a college kid looking to the future, feeling like I'm going to be an actor. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be an actor. And I had my, you know, I think like every person who's involved in the arts, I had my days where I was like, I'm the worst actor who's ever lived, or like, I, I hate doing this, I never want to do it again. I was notorious for quitting. Every, I would quit theater forever after every show that I did, and then an audition would come up the next week, and there I'd be again, you know, with my headshot and my resume, like ready to go back in. Um, because, you know, you, you, you develop, I think, when you engage in creative practice, you develop this muscle and... You, and it's the muscle of expressing yourself, right? You know, of putting yourself out there, of saying, this is what it feels like to me and connecting with other people across that. And once you have that opportunity, it's real hard to turn away from. Um, you know, I think there's a great reason that people who engage in the arts stick with it for so long um, and, and, and have such durable relationships to the arts uh, over time. But anyway, so I'm a senior in college. I'm thinking I'm going to be an actor. You know, I'm, I'm going to go get an agent. I'm going to go out on the, on the scene. And... My teacher, one of my teachers, her daughter had a middle, was a middle school in the Lower East Side in New York. And they had a theater class. and They needed a teacher, you know, just twice a week. She was like, do you, would you want to do this? I said, yeah, absolutely. It's great. So I went down to PS64 and I was teaching 12, 12 year old girls. Uh, and we did, the, the mission was, I, I knew I only had them twice a week. So I couldn't really teach like a full curriculum. So I right. said, what we'll do every day is we'll create a brand new 10 minute play every single, every single day. You had two hours with them. At the end of that two hours, we'd put on a 10 minute show, which if you know the 12 year olds in your life, you can imagine some of the, the depth and complexity of those 10 minute performances. Yeah. But they were a blast, it was fun. And I, I, you know, I, I would teach this class and I would go to my girlfriend's apartment, she lived nearby, and I would go over and I would, I would give her the full you know, blow by blow of everything that had happened with these 12 year olds. You're not gonna believe how funny, how cool, this was all, oh, this was so great. She looked at me and she said, you know, you should be a teacher, you know that, right? And I had never thought of it. You know, I, it never occurred to me. I had never really put myself in that, in that position. But I realized, you know, she was right, as she often was. <laughs> she was right. And, and I thought, you know what, I, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm going to go be a teacher. I'm going to go try this out. And so I got uh, an AmeriCorps teaching job, uh, you know, as a tutoring job in, back in Boston, where I'm from, uh, at a high school and fell in love with it. And so that, that sort of, you know, was my 20s, was teaching in the Boston public schools. Um, teaching a whole bunch of different things at a whole bunch of different schools, but primarily working to bring artistic programs, particularly theater programs to schools that hadn't had them for a while, you know, or in some cases a school was new and didn't know how to launch an art program or, or they had, you know, they had changed buildings and they didn't know how to fit their programming into the new building. And so I would go around from school to school in the district and and I would support those programs and build some programs for them. You know, I, I built a festival at the end of the year, so that all these schools had something to work towards right you know like they had a reason to sort of rehearse this play they could go do it there and you know sort of worked on those projects and worked on those schools and, and devoted my my every waking moment uh you know paul you and i were talking about this earlier but uh you know you were a teacher as well and you know how um how consuming it can be to be uh yeah. a, a teacher. Um, because it just doesn't end right you know, like there's no moment it's, at which it's you it's not go, an eight to three job <laughs> <laughs> no it's certainly not an eight to three job it's not even you know the the, the there's always the, you know you get your summers off but i was like summer if i have if i'm not teaching in the summer that's a great opportunity to do some more program development or right. to do some more theater you know and so i would go around and i'd do some plays in the summer and, and do some more teaching in the summer um well i always
0: intended that i may not have i may have the summers off but that time was spent evenings and weekends, the other 10 months of the
1: year. <laughs> right, oh, absolutely. And it was so difficult, you know, I, 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 it was so difficult to say goodbye to that too. You know, I, so I, I, I was, you know, as a day in day out classroom teacher, I taught history, I taught English, I taught theater, I taught art history, uh, and I did the morning announcements, I taught gym, I mean, I did, I did just about everything there was to do at, at this high school. And, and, and when I, I left, I, I went to get my PhD, and I went to go to graduate school and leaving that environment of working all the time and just sort of, you wake up in the morning and it's like rolling a ball downhill until the end of the day. And then going to graduate school where, you know, I, you have a lot of free time, right? There's not a whole lot going on. I always joke that it was like coming, it was like in, in Star Wars where they come out of hyperspace and all of a sudden everything like the stars elongate and you're just like, whoa, okay, now I have a whole lot of free time. Um, and in that free time in, in, in graduate school is when I started to really think about what I, what I, what I was finding in the art world. You know, I, at that point, I knew I, I didn't really want to be a professional actor anymore. I didn't really want to go try to move to L.A. and, and build a career out of it. I, you know, I had lots of friends who were doing that, and, and, and I just knew it wasn't for me. And what, what I found was so satisfying and what I realized was so animating to me was the opportunity and, the, and, and the, the, the chance to go bring artistic practice to people, right? Not just sort of bring a show to people. I'm going to show you a, a performance. You can come and see it. I'll give you discounted tickets, right? That's nice. You know, it's nice when people get to see art. It's great. I love, I love it, right? Like, I love to go to the theater. I love to go to the museums, But people seeing art is not nearly as impactful as people making art. Mm-hmm. And the opportunity to help people make art, particularly people who had, had said, well, I, you know, I used to do that, but I don't do it anymore. Or, you know, Oh, I remember, I have very fond memories of doing that in school, but then I stopped painting, you know, bringing those opportunities to people to make art and, and connect with each other and, you know, meet their neighbors and, you know, sort of build stronger communities through creative practice. That became my driving force. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started to really think about building house lights, um, which is the uh, organization that I'm launching right now. And we are doing our pilot here in Delaware.
0: So um, we talked a little bit uh, off-air. What brought you specifically to Delaware?
1: Right. Um, I think, like a lot of people who, who you know, and, end up in a place they've never been before, it was random chance, as much as anything else. Um, I, so I've, I've been building house lights for about a year now. Um, I had sort of a, a vision during the pandemic of, a, of another way to, to, to be, another way to organize my life, another way to sort of you know, um, connect the arts to people. And I started going about just making some preliminary phone calls around this time last year, trying to figure out, okay, well, what would this organization look like? Who can I talk to and give me some advice, give me some wisdom? And those conversations would sort of, you know, one person would say, oh, this is really interesting. You should talk to this person. Another person would say, oh, yeah, I really like this idea. You should go talk to this person. That person would pass me to someone else and on and on and on. It was a great time to be networking during the pandemic because everybody was at home and they had a lot of time on their hands. (laughs) Um, And so it was very easy to get people to hop on the phone and chat about this idea. And over the months, you know, I started to to sort of shape, you know, what House Lights was going to be. And I knew by, say, November of, of this past year, that what we needed to do is that we had this tremendous supply of young artists who graduate from colleges and universities with artistic training every year. And these people are compassionate. They want to change the world. They, are, they are, are, are smart. They're dynamic. You know your children went to art programs in, in college, right? Like, you know, it is the... The, the, the energy coming out of those programs, the energy coming out of those, those young people is like America's great untapped resource, right? You know, we could power a city with this. And at the same time, so that's, that's, we have this big supply. And at the same time, there's a demand for opportunities for people to make stuff, right? Opportunities for people to practice art without having to go to graduate school, without having to make it a, your professional career. Mm-hmm. And then there's programs and, and and institutions that are really looking for, you know, a way to bring people in, a way to get people excited. Um, And so I started thinking a lot about public libraries. And the model that sort of came into being around December of of last year was the idea of taking young people who are graduating from college. And instead of saying, okay, go move to LA, go move to Chicago, you know, go move to New York, try to start your your career in film, or or what have you. It's instead you say, okay, apply to this program, we're going to train you, we're going to um, support you. We're going to place you in residency at public libraries, and at those public libraries, you're going to develop art projects that the patrons in the community can participate in and collaborate in and create together. Um, and so the goal is less you making your masterpiece while you're sort of you know based at the library. It's more you helping other people create programs that matter to them and create art that reflects their experience and connects them together, and builds what we call social cohesion. Right, the mm-hmm. idea of like you know how how tightly. Um, is this community bound? And libraries are the perfect place to do that. And so as I was thinking about this, you know, and people are sort of passing me from one to another, to another, to another, and I'm on Zoom calls perpetually. Um, I ended up meeting a professor at um, Delaware State University, uh, Dorothy Dillard, who had done a lot of work in Wilmington. And she thought, you know, this is really interesting. I know someone at the libraries. Um, You should talk to Alta Porterfield. She's, you know, works the Delaware Division of Libraries, set us up and you know very quickly within a week we knew this was the right place to do it this was the right place to try this program to give it a pilot to 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 test it out um Alta knew some libraries that were really excited about a summer of in-person programming again of, of you know coming back out of the pandemic and doing some new stuff so we'll talk about those libraries in a minute um but the libraries were really eager and we knew the community was really eager for opportunities and it was the right place, right time, and, uh, and so here I am in, in Delaware, a place I had never been before uh, July of this year, um, and now I, I've become quite fond of it, I have to say.
0: Well, let's, let's take a look at three programs in particular, but let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOB. Our guest today is Alex Johnson, the founder of House Lights Program, which is going to be taking uh, having a public uh, presence at the Bear Library, the Route Nine Library, and Woodlawn. Not in that order, actually. I just read them off in <laughs> reverse order. Let's <laughs> that's uh, let's, let's look at the program. Should we should we start with Woodlawn since I believe that's coming up on August 9th?
1: Sure. Yeah. So so we're at these libraries, you know. All summer, right? So it's not, it's not just right, the, the right. sort of not a one event. day. It's not a
0: one. It's not a deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, but we do have a big event uh, at each one of these libraries to help celebrate, um, you know, coming through this pandemic together. It's not yeah. that it's over. It's certainly not. But this, the, 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 the summer has given us an opportunity to do more programming together in public, and, and we want to sort of celebrate that and reengage with the libraries and reengage with the community. So at Woodlawn on August 9th, we're going to be hosting what we call a neighborhood housewarming party. Um, those of you who live in the area know that with the redevelopment of the flats and, and the new housing in there, there's lots of new families who've moved in, but they don't necessarily know the library. They don't necessarily know the people at the library. And, you know, if you go to the Woodlawn Library, you'll see the people who go to the Woodlawn Library, they all know each other. They've all been going for years. You know, they all know the staff, but there's a lot of new families to the area. So we thought, how can we get these families involved? And so what we're going to do is effectively a kind of housewarming party for the whole neighborhood. Uh, out on the lawn in front of the Woodlawn Library, we're gonna be setting up three, what we call outdoor living rooms, Um, three kind of outdoor spaces with some couches and some seating for people to gather around, play some games. There's a photo booth. We'll have some musical instruments. Um, We'll have uh, some storytelling of people sort of telling stories of their own living rooms of their own childhood, uh, sort of an open mic style event. And we'll have some food and it's gonna be a a sort of big party, big opportunity to celebrate the library. Um, As we build up to that event, we have a couple workshops coming up at Woodlawn to help decorate some of that furniture, to help design and build some paper lanterns that will be hanging from the trees for a lighting source. Um, to help design, we have a board game design workshop. Um, so, you know, we were thinking about what, you know, living rooms like what happens in a living room. Well, you know, we have uh, we have some board games. That's the family game life. So we're going to be designing some board games, and, and people can play those. Uh, And we're going to be doing some storytelling workshops so people can practice telling a story about their community, about their background, about their own living. And so that'll be at Woodlawn on August 9th. Um, And we're really excited. Uh, The community there is really, really eager for it. And
0: then coming up on August 10th is a culmination activity at the Route 9
1: Library. Yes, the Route 9 Library and Innovation Center. um, We are going to be doing what we call the Route 9 Film Festival. Um, It's going to be an opportunity to showcase two-minute films uh, from creators all over the state of Delaware. Um, This program is mostly online, um, and so we're teaching all of our workshops through Route 9 online. We are going to probably do some of the presentation of this online as well. Um, And so we have an opportunity to to bring people in who maybe don't even live in the direct vicinity of Route 9. They can come from from all over the state. And what we're asking is that people submit a two-minute film on a theme um, of, their, of their choosing, uh, of a, a meaning of their choosing to this film festival. And we'll have some local judges and some local filmmakers give feedback and uh, we'll have some audience awards for things like best script, best visuals, um, best sound. Uh, and if you know the Route 9 Library and Innovation Center, you know they have tons of resources uh, from a technological pr- perspective to help you edit your film, to help you make some music for your film. There's a green screen. There's 3D printers and a makerspace if you want to make some interesting, cool props. Um, And uh, we're really excited about that film festival. So that's going to be August 10th. um, And we'll have, just like with Woodlawn, we'll have a series of workshops leading up to that, uh, including, you know, how do you make a movie on your phone? How do you edit a film on your phone? Um, What does it look like to add sound to a movie? What does soundtracking look like? Um, And so we'll be teaching some workshops in the run-up to that as well.
0: And as, as you suggested, the uh, Route 9 Library and Innovation Center, I believe, is the newest of the three facilities. It just opened within the last few years. It really is a magnificent facility. If, if you haven't been there, it's, it's well worth the visit.
1: My now, jaw hit the floor when I walked in. I was so excited. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had heard about it, but I was very excited. Yeah.
0: Now, before we go on to uh, the third venue, uh, how can people find out information about how to submit their, their two-minute uh, films?
1: Um, There'll be information on the Route 9 Library and Innovation website, okay. um, but there's also information if you like, you can visit our website at www.houselights.org, um, where you can see submission information and scheduling information and, um, you know, opportunities to engage and, and um, sign up and, you know, put your email down. Uh, we also have an Instagram and we have a newsletter that goes out every week, um, so you can find us on Instagram at houselightsfellowship, um, and uh, uh, our newsletter is houselights.substack.com. Okay,
0: great. So, the third venue uh, is the Bear Library,
1: correct? Yeah, and and we're doing a thing we're calling the Bear Summer Showcase, um, which is a sort of mix of a talent show and a craft fair and a community gathering. Um, You know, one of the things that's unique about Bear is that it is a community where lots of folks cycle through, right? There's lots of people who move in for, you know, a year or two and then move out. It's also a very international community. so it's a great opportunity to bring people together from different backgrounds and, you know, connect with the other people who have been in Bayer for many years. You know, it's interesting. I, I, I was doing some recruiting at Bayer. I was talking to some folks and, and this one gentleman said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to Bayer. I just moved here. And I said, when did you move here? He said, oh, 2012. And I said, well, you've been here for nine years, sir. I think, I don't think you're new anymore. But it's one of those communities where it's hard to get to know your neighbors. It's hard to get to know, um, you know, the the, the people who live in that area. And so what we want to do is build a showcase event so people can show off their traditional culture, their traditional food. We're going to be doing a recipe swap. We're going to be doing some more storytelling. There'll be an open mic music performance. Uh, And then we're also going to be um, doing some children's programming there, including designing your own superhero, designing your own superhero costume, writing your own comic book. Um, and uh, we'll probably do some painting and drawing and photography around that as well um, and so at Bear, the opportunity is to take some of these workshops make something you really like and then bring it to the summer showcase and, and show it off and okay. see what your neighbors have created
0: I mean what what you just mentioned is, is, is uh, interesting to me uh, that area of Newcastle County <clears throat> you don't necessarily have that downtown central area where people might naturally convene and, and mm. so that the library really serves that purpose and and your arts programming is providing the purpose to come together which I right. think is really, really interesting
1: well i think it's 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 the hardest thing you know everybody wants to have a tighter community right this yeah. is something i encounter all the time people want to know their neighbors they want to have a tighter community but it's very difficult to do that in a vacuum. You know, you're not just gonna go knocking on doors and say, hey, like, anyone wanna hang out? You know, like, we're gonna do a, a movie night. Anyone wanna come over? You know, the, the, the barrier to getting to know your neighbors in our increasingly digital, increasingly remote kind of world that we live in is really high. It's, it's much more challenging because there's just not as many opportunities and there's not as many reasons to, you know, like, maybe you see someone at the grocery store every week. Well, what does it take to say something to that person, right? That takes some courage, it takes some boldness to out of the blue say, oh, what are you, oh, that bread looks good. You know, Like, what are you gonna <laughs> say to, <laughs> to that person? And so what we need to develop are programs and opportunities that give people the context and frankly, the excuse to meet each other, right? You know, you, you, need, you need an event, you need a thing for people to come to so that there's a reason to talk to people, there's a reason to connect. You know, loneliness, is one of the, I think, hidden effects of this pandemic that we're going to be learning about and hearing about in years to come. Because it's a, hard thing to, it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a hard thing to admit that you're lonely. And it's a really difficult thing to study, especially when there's so many other sort of more immediate you know, um, uh, pandemic needs that, 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 are, that are out there. But, but loneliness is a killer. Yeah. And we, we live in these communities that are often fairly dense. And you might live in a condo building and you have people above you and people on either side of you and you have people below you. But if you don't know any of them, you know, you may as well be living in the wilderness. And I think artistic programs, creative programs are not a cure-all, but they're a great opportunity to help with loneliness. They're a great opportunity to help with connection. They're a great opportunity to build some social cohesion and to connect people together so that there are tighter, healthier, more engaged communities, even in a place like Bear that doesn't have a downtown or a place like Woodlawn where there, you know, there's a whole raft of new families that have just moved in. Right? Um, you know, the arts can't fix everything, right? I, I sort of wish they could. I wish there was a magic wand there. But the arts are not a magic wand. Mm-hmm. What they are is an opportunity and an excuse to bring people together. And once you bring the people together, good stuff is going to happen. We know this, right? This is, this is you know, millennia of human experience have taught us, right? Bring people together and good things happen.
0: What a, what a great way to wrap things up. Alex Johnson of House of Lights, thanks so much. I encourage our listeners to check out the Woodlawn Library, August 9th, Route 9 Library and Innovation Center, August 10th, and the Bear Library, August 11th, uh, as well as your website, Alex, uh, houselights.org. Thanks so much Thank for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much, Paul. It was a pleasure. We'll talk again soon.